In the name of a God who grows us and nudges us toward the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Do you ever wonder what Jesus might have known about mustard? I think he probably would have known that a mustard seed is indeed very tiny. He likely would have known that one seed produces a plant which produces thousands of more seeds. He may have observed that a mustard plant can expand between 20 and 120 feet per year. I bet he knew something of the persistence of the mustard plant and the difficulty in getting rid of it, if you want to. In other words, I have a hunch that when Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he was saying that a small bit of God's kingdom of love here on earth can take over. And if we are to be agents of that kingdom, we too have to be persistent and expansive in our effort to bring about the kingdom of love. As I researched mustard this week, because why not, it was fascinating to me to learn that over the past 2,000 years, since Jesus told this parable, the mustard plant has been selectively bred by farmers to bring out various characteristics, creating new plants. And those plants are now commonplace in our gardens and grocery stores. Ready for this? Broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kohlrabi, cabbage, and kale all have come from the mustard plant in the last 2,000 years. Which means that since Jesus told this parable, it has grown a whole new layer of important meaning. The kingdom is brought about in diverse, colorful, and unexpected ways. This is important in the face of what we are struggling with as a society right now, and how we, as the body of Christ, might choose to respond. The current atrocities on our southern border have us on the edge of our seats, on our phones, held breath, weeping, wondering what to do and how to somehow right such a very big wrong. I mentioned this struggle last week, and after church a few people said, yeah, but how? How are we to take the power out of the hands of a few abusive individuals and put that power back into the hands of a God of love. My answer last week was very much a single mustard seed kind of answer. If each of us could individually, consistently put our lives in line with God's will, God's mission, God's love, and make choices and follow calls based on that, we can inch toward a better way. We will inch toward God's kingdom. 
But right now, that doesn't sound fast enough to me. And I don't hear God asking us to be patient or particularly polite while a multitude of children south of us cry out for their parents each night. Right now, we need to see ourselves at the start as more than single mustard seeds because together we are starting from a collective place that is bigger than that already. We are right now bushel baskets of seeds in this together, ready to be planted so that we can quickly grow and grow and push out the weeds of abuse and oppression that are breaking our hearts right now. Now, I tend to avoid specific suggestions on how to respond to our social crises because we aren't all mustard, right? Some have developed into broccoli or cauliflower. There's variety among us, variety in points of view and variety in the ways in which we interpret God's love. I trust that in that variety of ways you are responding. From prayer to action to political involvement, I will not presume to know how you and God are working that out on a personal level. But I want us here to talk about how we, as the body of Christ, are asking God to use us as facilitators of change in this crisis so that we can get on the same page in our communal response to the how question. Now, before I name five things that we can all get involved in within the church and with the church, I just want you to know that I've left papers at the back of the church with contact information and websites on it. You don't have to remember it or write it down. So five things. One, we are starting with ourselves. It's the responsible thing to do. We are reading Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson as a church and expanding on our own awareness of how minorities are still being treated in our country, both American minorities and undocumented immigrants. This is helpful in exploring both societal and subconscious biases that have allowed for the dehumanizing practices for dark-skinned immigrants, even when they come here seeking sanctuary. Two, we are acting locally. Episcopal City Mission gathered this week at the cathedral to share a meal and sing and pray and listen to speakers who shared stories of oppressed people. A man who had been detained and separated from his family was there with us at the dinner because one of our priests who is also a lawyer was able to represent him in court, which made all the difference in his case. Most detained immigrants do not have representation in court. So we were asked as a church to give what we could, as, as individuals and as a church, to give what we could to pay the lawyer fees for all the detained individuals currently being held in the state of Massachusetts. If Episcopal City Mission can raise $250,000, everyone who is being held in their conscience here in the state will be covered in court this year. 
I encourage you to join in this local faith-based effort. Three, we are looking to our faith leaders to lead the way and ask the important questions. This week, Bishop Gates wrote an open letter to the diocese, and in it he asked a very important question of all of us. He wrote, We in the church often talk about stewardship of money and creation, but how is it that we are also called to be good stewards of power? How can we be good stewards of power? We tend to feel helpless. I know I do. But if we are honest, we know that we have power. There is power in holding so many resources, power in citizenship, power in education and socioeconomic standing, and for most of us here, power in our skin color in this country. How are we making use of this power? Because if we pretend that we don't have it, we will likely abuse it without even knowing what we are doing. The Episcopal Church, one of the most educated and affluent denominations in our nation, is being called to use our power for the greater good. Four, we are reclaiming Jesus Christ. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry and more than a dozen other Christian leaders have started a movement to reclaim Jesus for love and justice so that when any public figure quotes scripture to justify cruelty, we as Christians who worship the Jesus who told us to love our neighbors and welcome the stranger can say no. No, that is not what Jesus was ever about. And we know we are backed by theologians, bishops, and justice workers as we defend Christianity as a source of love and healing. Five. We are gathered here to worship each week, not as a social nicety or a brief retreat from stress, but as a means of bringing about the radical kingdom of love that God has asked us to co-create. At the table, we will pray, deliver us, O Lord, from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Our societal sin right now is so big. So yes, we need to come here for pardon and renewal, that we might go back out as new creations and make this world new. The struggle has made us tired, so we do come here for solace, and we come here for strength to go out and do what needs to be done as one body in Christ. It is not an exaggeration to say that full engagement of the worship offered here is one of the biggest ways of transforming ourselves and then the world around us. If God can turn a mustard seed into a blaze of yellow fields and a diverse feast of nutrient-rich vegetables, how much more can God do with us? the members of creation to whom God gave memory, reason, and skill, compassion, and the ability to speak of God's love and justice. How much more is God asking to do with us? And how much are we willing to follow that call?
Friends, as we speak our creed today, as we pray, as we confess our social and personal sins, as we come forward to this table to take Jesus into our bodies and lives all over again, and as we are sent back out there to love and serve, let us remember the children and leave here with hearts, prayers, minds, and decisive actions directed toward bringing about the kingdom of God's love for them. Amen.